Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Talk with Taylor podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Tucker. I'll be giving you all the behind-the-scenes scoop as I work as a journalist in small-town America, focusing on a special project called A Talk with Taylor, where, you guessed it, people talk to me about everything. And then I put it on TV. Buckle up and enjoy. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of Talk with Taylor. I'm your host, Taylor Tucker. Megan Lewis is not with me this week. She actually is going to not always be a part of these podcasts, which I think is important to let people know because Megan was working very, very closely with me on the candidate conversations, which is what you've been listening to up until this point. But now that election day is behind us, we're going to start branching out into some different topics, some different stories that Megan isn't always as closely a part of. So just Don't freak out if you don't hear her every single week, first of all. Uh, Second of all, I am really excited because Election Day is behind us. We can start looking towards the future. At the time of this recording, most of the Montana elections have been finalized. I mean, we pretty much know who's going to be winning everything. Um, But the presidential election, of course, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that it's going to be a marathon, not a sprint. So we are still waiting on some of those results with the presidential election at the time of this recording. So when you listen to this, if not everything makes sense or it sounds like it's a few days late, that's because it is. Election Day was last week, of course. We recorded this episode, Lee and I, a couple days after election night. So if any of you follow me on social media or if you watch any of our broadcasts here in Montana, you probably know who I'm talking about. That's Lee Banville. He is a professor at the University of Montana located in Missoula, but he also serves as a political analyst for our stations here across the state. So when we're covering election season, when we're covering politics and we don't know what we're talking about, which is more often than not, Lee steps in and kind of breaks it down for all of us, not only for the viewer, but even for us as journalists in the newsroom. He puts it in English, if that makes any sense. So On election night, I had the opportunity to interview Lee on and off throughout the broadcast to kind of make sense of the numbers and the election results as they were coming in. And then this podcast, this episode, is a conversation that we had a few days after the election, kind of just reflecting back on how the night went, uh, breaking down some of the numbers, some of the results. I think that my favorite quote from this episode is something along the lines of, we now know that it's not just Democrats who smoke weed, it's Republicans as well. (laughs) So if that doesn't get you excited, 
I don't know what else will. So take a listen to my conversation with Lee Banville. So uh, Lee, I guess just start by telling me how has the week been for you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it's always an adventure, Uh, you know, covering. uh, So I run a class, it's covering elections. So I have a bunch of students who are out all over the state on Tuesday and had to follow up with all of them and get all that stuff away. And then obviously um, there was a lot of talking to a lot of people in the last couple of days about what what we think happened, what we know happened, and kind of what happens next. So, you know, I'm ready for the weekend. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so with the presidential election, let's just get that out of the way right away. So obviously we knew that it was going to be close and that we might not have an answer right away. Right. But beyond that, is there anything that has stuck out or surprised you or been completely out of the ordinary? <laughs> well, completely out of the ordinary. Maybe I should rephrase that question. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, so I think um, what's interesting to watch is uh, in many ways, um, it's at this really awkward moment where we're, we're still essentially finding out what happened on election night. And it's a few days later. And so I think there's a lot of tension about that. There's a lot of concern that maybe something's, you know, for those who support the president, there's a lot of concerns that, you know, things may be happening as people are counting ballots. On the flip side, um, you know, there is this sort of, um, because of the, the, just the structure of the way that the states that are left counted ballots, um, they're counting the absentee ballots for last and and that so we've sort of seen this drift towards uh, Vice President Biden in a lot of states, which you know has made it sort of a, a kind of an anxious period for both. As as those who support the president watch his support dwindle in states like Pennsylvania uh, and Georgia, and those who support Vice President Biden, you know, kind of keep wring, wringing their hands over states like um, Arizona. And really, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a drip, drip, drip of, of individual counties at this point. And, you know, I think we're probably going to know soon, but it is a, it's a real, um, you know, it's, it's very different than 2000. Uh, so I, I covered 2000, where, you know, it really all focused on recounting the election results from Florida. This is actually counting the original ballots. And so it's a, it's, it's a unique process. And the question is, at, at the end of that process, what happens? Do, does, uh, do the two sides uh, agree on some version of the results? Or do we then enter a phase that's like Florida four years ago, or four years ago, 20 years ago, <laughs> um, that was yeah. really drawn out and a legal fight about procedures of doing recounts, which are going to happen in states like Wisconsin and, and certainly Georgia already. Mm-hmm. So you have a, an interesting perspective, I think, because you have this background working in the media, but then you also are right in the po- political sphere right now with your teaching and everything. What is something that you have witnessed happen in Montana, at least, that you wish people understood that might be a misconception about how things have played out? So I think in this... Um you know, there's been a lot of talk since Tuesday's results that uh, Montana has has made a hard shift to the right. Um, and it is true that that Democrats did really quite badly uh, around the state. I mean, it wasn't just that um, that, you know, they were edged out. I mean, they were essentially blown out in in all of these races. I mean, the closest mm-hmm. race was in, uh, nine points and that is not close. 
And so, um, you know, it was a very bad year for Democrats. And so the question is, has the, the electorate of Montana sort of solidified as red or conservative to some degree or another? And I think it's just too early to tell. I mean, it's certainly, um, it's possible that that's the direction things are going. Um, you look at counties like Yellowstone or Cascade, in particular Cascade, who supported Democratic candidates two years ago uh, for Senator John Tester, four years ago voted for Steve Bullock and overwhelmingly went Republican this year. You know, what's happening there, I think, is a thing that we really need to kind of better understand because if the Democrats are going to be competitive, they, they can't lose Cascade as badly as they did. They can't lose Yellowstone as badly as they did. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, is this a... Um, a new trajectory that Montana is going to stick to, or is is it a sort of a bit of an, an outlier of a state that still will kind of flip flop between candidates depending on really the, the candidate? Really, is it you know? I mean, they you know, John Tester wins not because he's a Democrat, but because he's John Tester. Mm -hmm. um, and so it'll be interesting to see. I think we won't know for another five years, really. But uh, it's, and that's really hard. I know as a journalist, that would be really hard to deal with. But like as, a, yeah. as somebody who now sort of studies it, it's like, okay, it'll be interesting to watch how this plays out, but we don't know yet. Yeah. Well, and I think, cause we have a, a few listeners from out of state actually. And I think the perception is that Montana is hardcore Republican conservative all the time because that's how Montana tends to vote for the presidential election. Right. And did this year. Right. Um, but, you know, I've been trying to tell people like, no, that's not always the case. They actually do vote based on the person and not always along party lines. But then I feel like this election cycle just like totally slapped me in the face. <laughs> it was like everything you've been saying is not true. Right. Well, I mean, and it might not be true anymore. I mean, yeah. I think of um, so the race that sticks out to me uh, and, and this might sound like I'm picking on her and I'm not is um, the race for Secretary of State. Um, so Christy Jacobson ran a very quiet campaign. She was not out front. She did very few media interviews. I think she did, uh, you know, two debates. Um, she did not really run a campaign. For, you know, she met with some uh, Republican groups, but that was about it. Um, and Bryce Bennett, who was a Democrat, um, was all over the place, was talking to everybody, was, you know, holding events and virtual sort of town hall things. Um, and Christy Jacobson won her race. Uh, she got the most votes of any candidate in the state of Montana in 2020. Wow. And that to me is striking because no one has a personal, a handful of people have that sort of personal connection that we normally associate with Montana politics. Um, you know, it's, it's such a different year and it, that could be the big COVID impact, right? Where, um, we all were like, oh, it'll be about ballots and it'll be about like, it'll be about, you know, absentee voting and are people comfortable with that? And are, is it secure? The thing may be that it was really hard for, for candidates who need that sort of like personal connection with voters to, to persuade them to vote, say democratic in a state that does vote Republican for president. Um, they weren't able to do that really, right? Uh, or weren't able to do it very effectively. Um, that might be one of the things that have happened. The other thing to think about is a lot of the Democrats who've done well here, not always, especially for statewide office, but certainly like Senate and governor and, and um, you know, members of Congress, they all have pretty big personalities. 
Um, you think of Brian Schweitzer, uh, you know, with his veto brand, sort of whenever he vetoed a bill, he had a metal brand, they would like stick into the bill. Yeah. You know, you had like, um, you know, John Tester on the flat top. Um, you had mm -hmm. Max Bacchus, who was sort of a cult of personality unto himself. And there aren't a lot of figures like that on the Democratic side. I don't know if they need them, but it certainly has helped them in the past. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, is this a COVID related thing or is this that the Democrats don't have a lot of candidates that sort of have that, you know, tester like personality that or Schweitzer personality that kind of get them votes from people who might not otherwise vote Democratic. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about election night a little bit specifically. I know that, you know, we were kind of expecting some of the results in Montana at least to come in a bit quicker than they did. Um, Talk to me about what your thoughts on that are and if there were any other surprises from election night. I think, so, I mean, if you read, you know, for example, so I live in Missoula. Uh, and so if you read the front page of the Missoulian the next day, it looked like the Democrats were doing great. And, mm -hmm. and that was, and it, and that night on, on the air, that first wave of votes, um, it, it was profoundly misleading because I mean yeah. it was uh and it was because of where the counties were you know I mean because so many people had voted absentee and some counties were really ready for it like Missoula and Lewis and Clark you know they shot out their first round of results pretty much just after the polls closed um and that really created an initial perception I mean, they're a bunch of, uh, I forget which Republican was saying that they had a come from behind victory. And it's like, no, you didn't. You were <laughs> behind. You just hadn't counted your votes yet. I uh, wish they would have come up with a, a better phrase than a come from behind victory. <laughs> I was like, that's not what happened. No, uh, no. I mean, you just, yeah, you didn't, you, you know. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was funny to, to see people kind of talking like that, that, that it was going one way. And I was like, no, no, no. This is not, you know, this is not that. It's just, if there's one thing that I think people struggled with that night, it was, and I think this is what we're seeing on the presidential level too, it's that the, the nature of the COVID voting has created a sort of different way in which election results get reported mm -hmm. from the counties, right? So like it's, it's created and, and no one was used to that. Uh, including the journalists, but also the audience. And so that, you know, when these numbers come out, you're like, oh, the numbers are out. And oh my gosh, look at that. And it's like, no, that's not what it is. Because it's really, it's all the early vote from this place, or it's the day of vote from Pennsylvania, which is more conservative than the absentee votes. And, uh, and so I think it's, it's just, um, that's probably the thing that stuck out to me is, is that this may be the only time it's ever like this, but, but we did have to get used to the fact that, you know, Actually, in Montana, oftentimes really close races do get called the next day. Um, it was just because of the sort of um, processing of, you know, hundreds of thousands of absentee ballots. It just didn't, um, it was hard to report it that night because you did, you had to be very cautious about where the votes were coming from. And usually you're getting votes from all over throughout the night. This was a night where you were like, oh, wait a minute. No, those are those, are those votes. You better, you better be careful about what you say about them. Mm -hmm. So what has your impression been since Tuesday night? Like, what are people saying out in the communities? Do you, do you have an idea of how people feel? I mean, I think, um, you know, you talk to, you talk to Democrats and their word, we're becoming Wyoming, um, mm -hmm. you know, or Idaho, that we're essentially 
on the road to being another Mountain West state that has, you know, a tiny minority party of Democrats and a giant majority party of Republicans. Um, from Republican perspectives, uh, you know, they're, I mean, I guess giddy is the word that, I mean, well, they're very worried about the presidency. Sure, um, sure. But, but you, and so there's a lot of talk about that, but when you, when you get past that anxiety, uh, yeah, they are, uh, they feel incredibly emboldened by, uh, thir- uh, by Tuesday night because you had record turnout um, and you had record blowouts by, by one party. And so, you know, you saw the Republicans are expanding their, their uh, uh, majority in the legislature. Uh, they're going to control the governorship in every statewide office. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting, you know, they feel pretty emboldened. And I think Democrats feel kind of um, beat down and unsure what to do next. Mm-hmm. But then in the background of all of this, weed got legalized. Yeah. So like, how does that work? So it's interesting. <laughs> I So um, yeah, I mean, at first it was like, okay, well, that's completely counterintuitive. But I think that assumes that the only people who smoke marijuana are Democrats. And I don't think that's true. <laughs> well, um, I think we learned that that's not true this time around, right? <laughs> uh, well, and what, what's tr- so I decided, I was like, all right, well, let me go see, because I knew weed was on the ballot in three other states. And they're states mm-hmm. that are completely different, right? One is Arizona, one is South Dakota, and one is uh, New Jersey. And uh, it won in all of those states. And it won by almost the exact same margin in all of those states, um, and, and which struck me as really interesting that this, this is not a partisan issue, it seems like. This is, this is sort of like more of a, I think, a, a, an internal moral issue. There are people who are like, marijuana is bad, but they're about 35 to 45% of the electorate. And then there are the people who are like, it's not that big a deal. And they make up in, in very different states, somewhere between 55 and 65% of the electorate. And so okay. in all of these states, it cruised. I mean, it was not close in any of them. Um, and so I think, I mean, it's, it's funny to think about, but I mean, especially for a state that struggled with medical marijuana for years, about how to handle it, was it too broad? I mean, it, it really did join a, what seems like a growing national movement to say like, look, we've kind of this, this you know, making, I mean, marijuana is a, is a more dangerous drug according to the federal government than cocaine. Um, and, and I think most of America is telling the government they don't feel that way and they're okay with it. Yeah. So I, I guess my question now is like, we have, We've legalized recreational marijuana, but we have this Republican-led government. I mean, you, you touched on this before with we always thought that it was just Democrats who smoke weed, which obviously isn't the case. But, but how do the two go together moving forward? I mean, is it going to be a huge legal battle or is it pretty straightforward I mean, it kind of, so this will be an early interesting test of this Republican uh, sort of unified government, which Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, the voters spoke pretty clearly, as clearly as as they spoke in any of of the races that elected Republicans statewide, that they want recreational marijuana in Montana. And so the question is, is the legislature going to get in the way of that? Uh, Is the governor going to champion it? You know, because they can, I mean, basically what the voters did was they said this, the the government could move forward on this, but the government could kind of uh, mess with it if they wanted to. They could drag their feet. They could, 
say they need more time to implement, you know, a, a system for for the the checking on the legalized sort of uh, dispensaries. They could do all sorts of things, but but that'd be a I don't know that'd be a little bit of a dangerous move for them to to do right out of the gate. Um, I mean, the other thing that you might think about is there are a lot of Republicans who are pretty libertarian, you know, who who are like, look, I don't want the government messing around with this stuff. So like, leave them alone. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be interesting to see how the how the Republican Party decides to handle that. Um, the other thing that, that may be really tempting for them is, I mean, we're talking about somewhere between 40 and $60 million in tax revenue that's just going to sit there, you know? And so it, if they want to cut taxes, if they want to, you know, if they want to maintain some services, but, but also pass along, um, you know, uh, if they want to sort of freeze spending, I mean, they, this, this can allow them to, to maybe cut corporate taxes or other things. So it'll be interesting to see how they choose to handle it. Do they, do they, do they approach it as a moral issue where they should stop you know, what they think is gonna make uh, Montana a less uh, sort of wholesome place? Or are they going to see it as an economic issue where this will help bolster state revenue? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Lee, I know that you have to get going. So I will let you go from here. But thank you for taking the time to talk and good luck the rest next few weeks. Yeah, you too. Uh, I hope you guys, <laughs> I hope you all over there get some rest. Uh, and, yeah. and frankly, the voters too, because I think there's a lot of people who are staring at their phones too much about results. from. Oh, yeah, for states sure. they've never been to. Uh, <laughs> you just need like a countrywide nap this weekend i think <laughs> yeah or just some legalized weed i don't know hey whatever whatever we can get our hands on right <laughs> all right Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk with Taylor. If you like what you've heard, please rate and review our podcast and make sure you subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. This has been a Montana Right Now production. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.